Who the bloody hell's that? Come on, H. Oh, Anthony, how are we? I'm really well, how are you? <laughs> Come on in. How will we, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little bit. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 21 of the Corona Diaries. This thing has finally come of age and it's going to mark a change now. We, this, this now becomes a serious, thoughtful, grown-up... Grown-up, able of carrying a sword. <laughs> Excellent, 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say able of carrying a sword? That's grammatically yeah. fucked, isn't it? Capable, capable of capable carrying capable. a sword, or able yes. to carry a sword. Yeah, though, though other implements are available. So anyway, welcome to twenty one of Corona Diaries. Um, we're we're kind of in that little bit of of, of it's, it's a come down moment from the live special, really, because that was that was just a few days gone, mm. and I had a fantastic time. Did you? Oh, good. Well, I had a fantastic mm. time, even when you were here. I was having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. It was lovely. It was lovely. I've still got I've still got singed hair on the back of my legs, but apart from that, it was no, it was great. Uh, <laughs> there was a slightly violent outburst from the fire at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it did. Well, the thing is, I, I walked into the room and you'd set it up like we were recording some form of Christmas jingle. Mm. Uh, had a very Christmas vibe. Yeah, it had a touch of that about it. Yeah. Uh, which, which was, which was, which was lovely. Uh, just a little warm at times. <laughs> uh, but do you know what else I thought as we went on and there was clangs and bangs and we were doing everything, you know, with the raffle and all the other things. It did have a slight Saturday swap shop kind of vibe <laughs> about it. <laughs> I need to. I, don't know. I need to apologise to. <laughs> To Linessa's dad as well for going. Oh, oh yes. that'll be Linessa's dad on the bloody phone, and he'll ring again in a minute because he always does. And it was Lucy trying to tell us it wasn't loud enough. So that was quite, all right. That was quite right. amusing. Yeah. But that wasn't as funny, was it? It was far better when it, we thought it was Linessa's dad. Well, yeah, because he normally does, you know. And then if you yeah. don't answer it, he phones again because he knows you're hiding, you know. <laughs> Why do you do that when people phone up and you don't want to talk to them and you actually go out of the room or hide behind the sofa? Why? They can't see. He obviously used to do it himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't right. be so suspicious, would he? Gil- guilty conscience. Yes, he's done it guilty himself. Guilty conscience, yes. No, I thought it had a real Saturday swap shop kind of thing going on. Oh. Uh, enthusiastic and, you know, and, and, and best of intentioned, whilst maybe not always hitting the levels of professionalism that... Perhaps we right. should have done. It needed a glove puppet, didn't it? But how did we let that go by? Yeah, always needs a glove puppet. But never mind. Always. But we can work on it. The one thing we clearly we got a lot wrong. I got a lot of pronunciation wrong. I got a lot of references wrong. Yeah, I got loads wrong. I got loads wrong. We've already we've already dealt with one of them. Um 
but um, Sarah Bridgman isn't Sarah Bridgman. She's Sarah Bridgman. Oh, we've got to uh, say sorry generally, I think, for, to all the Sarahs who are Sarahs and all the Sarahs who are Sarahs, you know. And the fact that none of you are Sars. That's a, that's so, a minefield. Yes. So uh, apologies apologies for that. Um and, and and we will just try better next time. Uh, it, it would be easier if everybody would settle on just two or three names. And, that would be easier. And that's just the uh, English. I mean, once you get yeah. stuck into the Dutch and the Eastern Europeans and you've got no clue whatsoever how to pronounce their names, no. um, you know, you can stare at them written down. In fact, that's a good hint, folks. If you've got a name that doesn't sound like Dave or Jim... Uh, would you please <laughs> send me uh, send me an explanation of how to pronounce your name before I go diving into the crooncast and make a bollocks of it? Yeah, I had somebody drop me a message to say that we you would got his name totally wrong on the crooncast. <laughs> wasn't and that's his name because at all. No, it that was probably someone else. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I didn't give you my name. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we've probably been forgiven for that one. I'm Bill Jones um, and you call me Dave Robinson. <laughs> Even though that's how I signed myself off. Um, the other thing is um, I've, got a couple, actually, I've got a couple of them as well in my spreadsheet, you know, that are called like <laughs> Louis Smith and then where their address is, <laughs> says Bill Jones. <laughs> Go up, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Um, I, yes, yes. So, anyway, apologies for the mistakes that we made that were that were obviously things we should have done better on. Um, we obviously can't apologise if if you actually just give us random information. Um, also, um, it was actually Justin Beanie who thought it sounded like Raffle. So, so after all of that, I you know I I. I sort of even called out the wrong person. So Justin Beanie, thank you for thinking that I was saying raffle because the whole thing ultimately stemmed with well, I'm saying thank you. Any any upset yes. that was caused was ultimately your fault. But uh but no, thank you. Thank you, Justin, for being the one who actually did mention the raffle the first time round as well. So that's that's and just sorry <clears throat> from me. The Corona Diaries. Just, never knowingly accurate. <laughs> Indeed. But other than that, I think we had a good time. We did. I think right? we, I think we had a good time. Yes. Um, and I think there's a few people said they haven't seen it. We're going to try, we can't promise, we're going to try to see if we can get hold of the video and maybe overdub the sound that we managed to clean up a little bit onto the video and put it out on the... Um, on the, the the Patreon platform for all the for all the, the purples. So we'll, we'll, but don't hold us to that. We're not sure, but we are going to try and do that. Um, and and you know we'll see if that's if that's technically possible. Um, one more thing while we're on things because we were talking about this a little, little bit on Sunday, uh, and there's been a lot of talk about this, particularly after we gave the mugs away. We are going to get to merch, aren't we? We are going to get the merch. Now we've had the couch convention. I think I'm going to be allowed to fill at least part of the Merillion um, estate with um, boxes full of dodgy gear. Um, we're going to move. We're going to move one square mile of um, Steve Rothery's postcards from the road uh, to one side, and uh, I'm going to be allowed a few T-shirts. So um, that yes, I think I think that's. Um, 
that's something we can now do. But we'll probably do a lot of it on a pre-order basis so we don't end up with stuff everywhere. And we've had a couple of ideas. Um, we think there'll be a mug. I, mean, I think I think mug, a mug makes sense. There's been a lot of call for those. Yeah, is there? Um, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of a lot of feedback about that. And then you had a brilliant idea for the the patrons, didn't you? Well, I thought it might be nice to do a little a little enamel pin, a little enamel purple pin, and I thought a, a purple heart. But then I was lying in bed last night thinking maybe a purple heart's a bit. I don't know. Maybe 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 it should be a purple something else. Um, cock and balls or something like that. No, I, I mean, uh, like a little square. <laughs> or, I don't know, something. <laughs> do you do a whole, do you do, do you do all of the cock and balls purple or just part of it? I don't, sorry, I, I don't. this stuff just comes out of my mouth. I'm really sorry. It, by the time it's out there, I've, I've wished it wasn't. Um, yeah. No, just a little purple shape of some description. Might right. you know? Maybe a heart's all right. Is it? Do you think? I think I think a heart's fine. You know, I think I think a heart's fine. It's to do um, with face and support, isn't it? Or a little, or a little smiley face, or a little grumpy face, or a yeah. Little, I wondered uh, about a little smiley emoji thing, or the one that yeah. kind of goes like that with teeth, quite, with a tooth missing, like <laughs> with a tooth missing, <laughs> 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 the one blacked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little little purple that thug. Be the way to um, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, or even just literally just a purple sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody can carry around an apology from us all the time. Yes. Yes. Oh, that, 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 that might work. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. We've talked about maybe a um, we quite like the idea of a journal, don't we? Of a little Corona Diaries journal. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good idea. Something you can just write the shopping list on. Yes, the... um, and capture those those beautiful thoughts as you have them while you're listening to this. Um, and then maybe, but this really would have to be pre-order because there has been a lot of talk about this. Is whether we could do a a core blimey trouser a mm. corona diaries trouser but that would have to be on pre-order basis because of sizings mm. and everything but so we are seriously considering the the the, the core blimey tcd trousers I'm, um, I'm starting to get purple gifts through the post now racket racket yeah i go in the studio I mean, the other day i went and there was a pair of purple socks shot through with sort of silver thread um and then um and then there was a big parcel came which turned out to be from the Baroness of Bermondsey, who has crocheted me what she calls um, a cotigan, um, which is a kind of garment with sleeves. Um, and again, it's all purple and silver and God knows what, and only a lunatic would consider wearing it. So uh, I'll be seen wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> It looks, he's, it looks, he's landed at the right door. It looks like something that an old Spanish widow who'd got heavily into LSD would be wearing. Um, so, um, yes, I've, I've been given a coatigan by the Baroness of Bermondsey, and I can't remember who sent the socks. I'll thank her next time. Um, right. But it started coming in 
It started coming in. <laughs> right. So, so mer- the, the, watch this space for a merch update, but we're going to start feverishly working on it now. And by that, we're going to find somebody who knows how to do it, um, I think. Um, but leave it with us. Leave it with us. It will be the, the perfect under the tree giftmas, giftmas, Christmas gifts. And, and they'll all be purple. That's the, that's the plan. That's the plan. Giftmas right. Um, yeah. Merry Giftmas. Um, Merry Giftmas, yes. Merry Purpleness. Mm. Um, we got talking a little bit after after we came off air um, on, on Sunday. We got talking a little bit about the Albert Hall concept. Because mm. uh, I, I wasn't in a position to catch all of the shows over the weekend with, with various family things and what have you, but I did watch on Saturday night and I did watch the Albert Hall show, which I'd said to you at the time is in my list of top three or four gigs of my life. It, it, it really was a special night um, yeah, me, for those me people too. who were there. I would, I would uh, stick it in my top three as well. Um, and I remember we had a conversation about the fact that when you first told me about that, because I, I, for whatever reason, I was I was talking to you or at your house, and you said this is going to happen before before it was announced. You told me a few days before. You got you know can't tell anybody, but this is going to happen. We've, we've we've managed to do this, and you were really excited about it because you'd wanted to do it for a long, long time. So um, I suppose I was going to say a couple of things. One was a, a bit we talked about in the show, which we'll get to in a minute. But the first bit is how did it come about, and uh, and and how long had you wanted to do it? Well, I wanted to play the Albert Hall, I suppose, ever since um, I, you know, dreamed of of being some kind of pop star when I was, you know, I mean, I never really thought about it till being a pop star, that is, until until I saw Deep Purple at Sheffield City Hall when I was about 21, at which point I thought, oh, hang on a minute, nothing's better than this. What on earth am Mm. I doing? Um, This is the thing. You know, and so if I do anything else, that's kind of not the thing, is it? So I'd better stop doing what I'm doing and start doing this. So the focus suddenly swung away from becoming an electrical engineer uh, and and swung towards being some kind of doing what Deep Purple were doing in front of me. Um, And then I suppose as soon as I got my teeth into that, Although I never, Im- well, maybe I did imagine I'd, I'd, I mean, I think I was fairly certain I was going to make it big. I mean, much bigger than I actually ever made it. I, I you, you know what you're like when you're a teen. Well, you've, what I was like when I was a teenager was I had an ego the size of a bloody house. And I was absolutely convinced I was going to be a big star. And um, then... Um, I suppose the Albert Hall just became part of that fantasy. And then much later on, um, after I joined Marillion, you know, almost as soon as, as as we'd got together and the first time that live work was was even discussed amongst the five of us, I was probably saying, what about the Albert Hall? What about the Albert mm-hmm. Hall? You know, and, and they were going, well, why would you want to play there? Was going what what <laughs> you know and they were all going oh Wembley Stadium Wembley Stadium I was like what um, you know so so I think the boys um, 
ambitions were more to do with numbers and bums on seats and, you know, square acreage. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas mine were more to do with, um, I guess, my own sort of private idea of 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 prestige and what I mean f- for me, I I wanted to lie on my deathbed knowing I'd played the Albert Hall. I didn't really give a damn about knowing I'd played Wembley Stadium. That wouldn't make much difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that's just just uh, the difference between people you know some people just mm-hmm. want to do the biggest thing and some people have a different idea of what the biggest thing is and and, and for me the, the the really big things are um you know the albert hall sydney opera house you know the big kind of um <clears throat> the um you know madison square garden yeah the iconic uh, those kind of things you know mm. um the really big famous iconic theaters you know where you're going to walk onto that stage knowing knowing that you you're walking in the footsteps of Eric Clapton and John Lennon mm. and, and Frank Sinatra and Muhammad Ali and you, you know you walk onto the stage at the Albert Hall and you're walking in those footsteps it's an incredible mm. feeling um not to mention all the great classical geniuses you know but you're walking on their footsteps as well i was going to say my dad only got to see my dad was a huge or is a huge sinatra fan and only got to see him the once and that was at the albert hall mm. um you know and and when you've got somebody like that coming that's where they're going to play yeah when we walked um, on there for the sound check you know the first time we played there that was all i could think about you know my legs were sizzling with the energy of all the ghosts that had that had trod those same boards. It was just an amazing, amazing, uplifting feeling. Mm. Um, I suppose I should have had it at the cavern, really, but it's not really the same cavern that it was back then. No. But, you know, you no. do, and you, and you do sometimes play shows. I mean, the the, the De Montfort Hall at Leicester, uh, I think the Beatles did a residency there, and there's, you know, and there's, there's pictures of them backstage in the dressing rooms. And, so it, it, you do sometimes walk onto stages and not even realise until afterwards who else has stood there. You know, we did one one night and we, I think we followed Ray Charles. You just mm. thought, wow, you know. So those things are... And, and we famously did... Well, famously in my head at least did the... Um, I walked onto the stage at the Terminal Eins in uh, Munich and we were the... I, I, was, the, I was the first front man to walk to walk onto that stage since Kurt Cobain had walked on on there and played his last show as it turned mm. out so those things you know they, they they stick with you um but I mean for me the the having grown up in in England the Albert Hall was the ultimate thing you know it was the proper gig you know if you played the Albert Hall you were you know, you were you you were somehow legendary. You know, just to be playing there, you had to be legendary in some way or other. And so those two things were indivisible in my in my mind. And I always wanted to play there. The rest of the band were suspicious of the acoustics. They said, "Oh, sounds dreadful. It's a bit of a cave. You know, it'll sound rotten." La 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 la. Uh, and I think they're right, but but I think over the years they have tweaked the acoustics a bit. 
they've put all those mushrooms in the ceiling and God knows mm-hmm. what to try and calm it down for rock and roll. Um, it always works really well as a classical space, but you know, you put a put a big drum kit in there and a lot of electric guitars can get a bit much. Um, but I think Phil did pretty well with it on the night. Yeah, the sound's exceptional. Oh, sound was really go. exceptional. That's a, you know, so shows what a great great out front sound man we've got. Mm, mm. I I I remember being at the side, uh, the side of the stage. Um, absolutely, for the only time ever, because um, Rothers was using a wireless system that I'd recommended to him. Uh, but I'd recommended it to him just to take around the world when he needed something as emergency. I did, and, and he lo- he ended up loving it and ended up using, still use it to this day. I think on right. pretty much everything. But I was then sat there thinking, okay, that thing that you're using, which isn't really pro kit, really, but I understand why he likes it because it's digital and it sound for guitarists. It sounds really good, and I was just praying that nothing would happen on that night with that guitar. Thing. Right, because it because if that went in the middle of something, I'd be like, oh god. But actually, no, that that everything about it, the whole the whole sound, the whole everything that night just seemed to, it just seemed to work so well. Mm. It was great to be right. there with some classical elements on stage as well. Mm. Which you know, if you've spent your whole, if you're self-taught, uh, which I am, you know, never had any piano lessons, never really had any singing lessons, sang in a choir, but. You know, that was it. Um, and, you know, having just sort of worked it all out for yourself, which which is what rock and rollers tend to do, then then to be on stage having what you're, in your mind, a proper musician's contributing to stuff you've written yourself feels like it's a real rush uh, and it feels like some kind of vindication. You know, you think, mm. oh, well, maybe we are real musicians after all. <laughs> um, <laughs> we must be. Look, look, we must be. Uh, <laughs> it's like a certificate, like having a certificate you can pull out, you know. <laughs> look, proper. Um, <laughs> and at the Arbor Hall, extremely yeah. fucking proper. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so there was that feeling, really. and and But over and above that feeling, of course, was when we finally came to do it, was we weren't just doing the Albert Hall. We were doing the Albert Hall in front of our people, in front of yeah. arguably one of the best audiences on the planet in yeah. terms of the vibration that they kick up and, and the faith and the affection they've got in the band. Um, and I don't think even the Albert Hall was ready for that. And 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 afterwards, you know, a lot of the staff there, the backstage folk and the security folk, were 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 all genuinely not sideways by the atmosphere, you know, and the feeling that that had been generated in in their gig that night. Mm. And uh, when we first were sort of making tentative applications to play at the Albert Hall you know it was very you did you know they were very like oh I wouldn't oh I don't know about that you know it was all a bit oh I don't know about that um because I guess they're just a little bit wary of of you know young upstarts that phone up um so we we had to do it all properly through through a kind of big time agent which we don't normally bother with 
with that stuff. We, we, we normally sort of do everything ourselves by stealth. Um, <laughs> but, then, but, but then having finally been given permission, you know, and, and given the green light to go and do it and then having done it and then walking off stage and hearing all the staff going, you're going to come back, aren't you? You are going to come back. You're going to come back soon. That was amazing. You, you know, we'd love to have you back. Um, to hear that sort of one hundred and eighty degree change in 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 attitude was was really lovely as well. Mm. Because there was that that moment fairly early on, where and I can't remember which which uh, you know if it was the end of the first song or, or what, but that just there was an outpouring of emotion from from everybody in the audience, mm. uh, and it was just and and just as an audience member that. That was a you know hairs on the uh, hairs on the back of the neck sort of moment. You you just it, it just it just did feel like a wave. It felt like a wave of emotion just coming out because it felt like years had been building up to that moment. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that I think the crowd felt like we felt to some extent. It's like they were all thinking, "Wow, you know, we're at the Albert Hall to see mm. our boys, to see our band." Mm. You know, uh, I think a lot of people knew how much it meant to me as well and so they there was an element of them supporting me because they knew it was an important night for me uh and everybody else was just there thinking wow we're in the royal Albert hall to see marillion you know it don't get any better than this and i think that's the reason why it sold out so quickly because that shocked all of us when the tickets went on sale and sold out in minutes um we couldn't believe it we we happened to get on a plane to go to Holland, um, and I think the tickets went on sale while we were in the air. And when we got down and and arrived in the hotel in Utrecht, we got the we got the uh, the news from Lucy that it already sold out, and we were just thrown backwards because we were arguing, you know, brothers said it'll sell out, and Mark was going, oh, I'm not sure, you know. You know, and then other members of the band were going. I think it'll sell out. Well, it might take a few few months, you know, but it'll go. It'll go. It'll it'll look, you know. And if it doesn't sell out, it'll look good. And then we got to Utrecht, and it had gone in minutes, and that that was an amazing feeling. We didn't, I guess, we didn't fully realise how many people would fly in for it. You know, it wasn't just the UK fans. It was it was globally people people flew in for that show because it was the Albert Hall, you know, and they wanted to be there. Whether they'd have done that for Wembley Stadium, I don't know, because, I mean, I wouldn't personally. Do you know, do you know what? That's a really interesting question because I, I don't know. As soon, as soon as you told me, I just felt I've, I've just got to be there. Yeah. Because, and, and a bit like I sort of said before, it felt like... Um, it felt like the completion of a personal journey for me, as as it probably did for a lot of other people, as it did for you, and it did for the rest of the band. It was like, look, I, you know, I've 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 been around for twenty five, thirty years on this journey, and that you're right, that feels like a significant milestone, and I've just got to be in that room. Mm. Um, and and I don't know whether I would have felt the same way, you know, had it been had it been Wembley or what have you, because that wouldn't have felt special in the same way. And I think, you know, you. I mean, I've got used to coming and see you guys at Manchester. 
And I love being in that space with a lot of faces that I recognise and what have you, and it's a really nice space to be in. And and so I'll always make an effort to go there. And I think a lot of people have got venues they like and people they bump into and what have you. But the Albert Hall thing was just like, no, I just just have to be in that room. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 I was watching it the other night, you know, during the couch convention, because I, I, to be honest, I didn't think I would watch the movies because I don't really like looking at myself and I don't particularly like hearing myself singing either. Um, and so it's a double whammy, you know, video, music videos. Um, and I'd just as soon not bother, you know, and go and hide. Um, but I got sucked into the Albert Hall show. Lyn- Lynetta was watching it on the telly and I was in the kitchen and I, I kind of heard it start up. And uh, I wandered in and, and, and sl- you know, sort of opened one eye and had a look at it. How is it? And I, I, I kind of got sucked in back into my own memories of actually doing it and how it felt on the night. And, uh, you know, and Tim had made such a good job of filming it. Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of thought I'd sit down for five minutes, but then I, I sat and watched all of it. And uh, to my surprise, I I really enjoyed it. Um, but there's a mo- there's a moment in um, New Kings actually, you know, the Spitfire moment, the ba 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 and the Spitfire goes by, uh, where on the night, I had my 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 world wobbled on its axis as as I realised what I was about to say in that place. Uh, remember a time when you thought that your matter believed in the school song, Die for Your Country, you know, I, I, I mean, I really rail against the entire British system uh, at the end of that song. And I breathed in to sing it, and as I breathed in to let go, I thought, my God, I'm, I'm about to say this here, of all places. Mm. You know, short of actually screaming it in the Queen's face, there's not much more I can do um and it just hadn't crossed my mind up to that moment and so if you if you do watch it again as that spitfire goes by you'll see me just go whoa and that's that's the realization of of what I'm about to spit into that microphone and where I'm about to you know where I'm about to say that um that seemed like you know to be saying those words in the face of Elgar and Land of Hope and Glory and the last night of the proms and all of that, it was, uh, that was huge for me. And, um, you know, again, I'm really glad that I got to say that there because there, mm. there wouldn't have been a better place to say it. No, no. And, or, a, or to be fair, a better time. No. Um, you know, I, I mean, those words resonate. We talked a little on Sunday about how those words resonate as you know have resonated since the album came out and since you wrote them and still resonate to the same extent i i'd had the same feeling on the night listening to um you know um some of the words with regard to to the immigrants the um you know the running from demolished lives into walls line just stopped me dead while i was listening to it that night Mm. you know just and, and that's so powerful now you know this week last week the week before Oh no! Um, and 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 it did seem the perfect place to be saying it. 
you know, yeah, you have to go to the heart yeah. of it to say it. Yeah. I mean, the whole illusion of nation states, you know, the idea that, that you cross a line on planet Earth and turn into something else. Oh, I was born on this side of this line, which makes me British and proud. Or, oh, I was born on this side of, you know, four inches to the left, which makes me French or Italian or Danish or whatever. And I guess it's nice if people are genuinely proud of their own culture and their own systems and maybe some cultures have more to be proud of than others. But it is just an illusion and it is silly. And if, if, if the idea of a nation state leads us to exploit one another or murder one another, then it's ludicrous. You yeah. know, it's just ludicrous because it's just a line on the planet mm. um, or it's a bit of sea, you know, on mm. the planet and the, the one piece of land on one stretch of the sea and another piece of land on another stretch of the sea and suddenly you've got all these idiots going, well, I'm better because I live mm. on this piece of land, you know, in this great nation of mine. What nation? What's a nation? Come on, explain that to me a bit. Have you ever thought it through? Because it's, it's just where you happen to be standing. It's got bugger all to do mm. with anything else. And it, if that leads us to hate one another or to be falsely proud of, of this fantasy of some achievement or other that we've been sold by our media, then it's time we all woke up and started having a bit more time for one another as human beings and not treating ourselves as first and second class human beings. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I couldn't agree more with that and feel exactly the same way. And I think well, it's just it as back... well, or it really would have been a shit podcast <laughs> if you know that's all bollocks, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. <laughs> We'd have been here for two hours <laughs> bickering. <laughs> have you seen this bulldog in, in, in a Union Jack vest that I'm wearing? No, it's... Um, I've got it, a bulldog. It's French. <laughs> As it should be. Um, um, no, it, it was an amazing night. It was an amazing night and it was nice that it formed a, a part of the convention weekend because it was it was nice to be reminded of that um, and also to be whisked back. It was one of those moments where I was whisked back to how I felt on the evening. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's the sign of a, of a special moment when actually you're taken back, not just remembering the thing, you know, in kind of 2D, but you're remembering it in terms of how it made you feel and how it moved you. Uh, and as I say, it, it's it's in my top few gigs, um, and kind of you'd expect a running gig to be in my top few gigs, but then actually, you know, I mean, there's that one, and there's seeing there's seeing Prince um, live in Montreux, which was really special, and mm -hmm. and I, there was one one Billy Joel gig that was special, and, and after that, I can't think of any more that really struck me in the same the same way. And the Billy Joel thing was a particular point in my life; it was an age thing, so I was only. 18 at the time so so you know um i i'm sure there's a lot of us that feel that that way uh about that that particular evening yeah i was in heaven 
I really was at certain points in it, you know. The second night, the, was it the Tuesday? Was it a Monday and Tuesday we did? And the, 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 the second night uh, on the With Friends tour, I decided, I mean, Lynette had said, you know, why don't you just go out and enjoy that? Because who knows, you know, when mm. when you're going to be back. And, and it was a really good point. And I thought, yeah, she's absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go out with the sole intention of this being correct and perfect and getting every last thing right. I'm just going to go out and, and drink this in and enjoy it. Um, because who knows, this might be... Mm. You know, I've said it before, the the Europeans played the Shaw Theatre in um, on the Euston Road and had a really good gig one night. And uh, you look back and that was our last gig. Um, you know, we, we, none of us knew. No. You know, you never know which one's going to be the last. You never know which one's going to be your last day on earth. You know, you can always walk yeah. under a truck or a tree fall on you or whatever. So you never know. Um, but we don't live like that. We can't live like that, thinking this might be the this might be the last one, can we? Or we go nuts. But I thought this could be the last one, the last time I ever walk on this stage. Uh, I should really enjoy this because it's mm. it's amazing. And so I walked on on the, that Tuesday with that with that sort of antenna up, you know. And and of course I then enjoyed it much more because I'd allowed myself to. Yeah. Um. And when when the girls played the, um, I call them the girls. Uh, one of them's a bloke, of course, Sam, Sam on the on the horn. Uh, but when they played, when they played the introduction to Estonia, I'd, I'd got into the habit of standing to one side of the mic, mic turning round and just watching that happen. Some nights with Pete, and some nights just on my own. And it was just heavenly. I let it wash over me, and I thought. Listen to this. Just listen mm. to this, you know. Here we are in the Albert Hall and, you know, there's these great players playing this beautiful intro to this song that I wrote. You know, hello. It doesn't get any better than this. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. Well, it seems like a nice a nice little place to, to stop and have a little bit of diary. Um um, which and we're going we're going to go back to to chronological, aren't we? Yes. We're going to go back to where we were, um, oh, which nice. puts us. Um, I'm glad you know. It, do you know? Well, well, do you know what? You don't. I'm saying that. I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that. I think I've. I think I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> oh. I think I'm on the wrong page here. No. Hi. No, we're lost. Folks, we're lost. We're lost. But it'll all we, become apparent in a minute. It'll all become I apparent. Start. I sent. I sent the details to you on a WhatsApp. I'll go and find the WhatsApp a lot message. Of frantic shuffling, uh, turning. A page uh, yeah, yeah. Do you know? And we were doing. We were doing so well. It had been quite a nice, serious section this morning. We'd actually. I thought we'd we'd done really well. Did you? I hope I didn't yeah. sound too like I'd got on the soapbox, but. It no, is, you know, no. what I am. No, feel. I, I think I think you're right. Anyway, I've just found it. Sunday the eighth to Tuesday the seventeenth of March. Oh. Um, so Hang on, um, get me Harry Potter glasses on. What, yes, get what, your fez on. What year was that? Uh, uh, we're, we're in ninety two, uh, and you're about to sail through customs. Oh, I know. What's uh, I'm looking at the wrong um, bloody bloody volume. No, no <laughs> looking at the wrong volume. Yeah, there we go. You, you're gonna you're gonna whip off and do a bit of. Um, 
uh, a bit of New York. A pilot and, and, with a, and a few other bits. Where his compass on his watch strap. That's where we were. Yes, it? that's where we finished. Yes. So, so we're going to go back to Sunday the eighth of March, nineteen ninety-two, um, and uh, we'll we'll have a bit of diary, and then we'll get back together for a wrap up. Uh, Justin, that's a wrap up, wrap Justin. Up. Um, because says he's well aware that it's a wrap up, but Justin isn't. So, Justin, it's a wrap up when we get back. Mm. Um, and in the meantime, um, I'll 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 hand you over to the bespectacle, fez wearing, Mr. Steve Hogarth. Coming up, where's my camel? Sunday, eighth of March. Sky, home. Sailed through customs. Phew. I felt like I was carrying half of Mexico's national treasures. There was a driver waiting with a large Mercedes, so I jumped in the back and gave him instructions to Shea Hogarth. The way it works is that when we're travelling to do promotional work for EMI, we get the limos and the business class air tickets. When we're touring, the expenses are down to us, so it's cabs, kebab vans and economy all the way. The girls were still in bed, but got up bleary-eyed when I rang the doorbell at 8am. Opened the suitcase and distributed presents. Fifi seemed pleased with all of them. Pumps from LA and ring, headband, hair slide and crystal from Mexico. I'd bought Dizzy some earrings, which she thought were lovely, and often wore after that. Niall's grown a lot in my absence. We all went to Angus and Reenie McPherson's, friends of E&M, for lunch. Ian and Wanda were there, also Malcolm, who manages Air Studios, and Lisa, his wife, and loads of children. I was tottering about dazed and exhausted, but I got better later. I enticed Angus into describing his theoretical invention, a craft which travels from London to Sydney in 20 minutes on a gallon of petrol. He's either the next Einstein or he's mental. Monday, 9th of March, home. Spent nearly all afternoon having got up at 12 on the phone trying to power my mortgage through. Managed to arrange a survey on Brisbane House for tomorrow. Brisbane House is a detached three-bedroom Cotswold stone cottage in a little village called Charlton near Banbury. We finally decided we'll have to live within commuting distance of Marillion's new studio. We didn't fancy living in Aylesbury, so we drew a circle and this has been the first house within it that we both like. Dizzy's not really too happy about it. She's got a circle of good friends in and around Englefield Green and inevitably they will all be lost and new friends will have to be made. Never easy. When we went to bed I couldn't sleep. Got up at 1.30 and hung around till 3. Went back to bed and got up again with Hargreaves at 7.45. Tuesday, 7th of March. The survey went okay, apparently. Drove to Fleet in Hampshire with a cheque for £16.73 so that some deadhead called Helen 
could fax my references to the Norwich and Peterborough Building Society, who have been most helpful. Arranged to meet a solicitor on Friday at 2.15. Had a Korg T3 delivered. Later found it doesn't work. They're sending another in the morning. Went to bed at 9. Sunday, 15th of March. Home, New York City, Philadelphia. Woke up at ten past eight, thought I'd better pack, had a bath first, cab arrived at nine, kissed my girls bye-bye, and Niall gave me a farewell vomit. Someone in the organisation had decided that, to keep costs down, it might be a good idea to let our out-front sound technician, Privet Priv Hedge, also tour manage this leg of the tour. I was to discover that some people just aren't cut out for some jobs. Arrived at Gatwick South Terminal and eventually found my way to the check-in desk. There was general chaos and long queues. First, to be interviewed by American security staff who asked you a load of questions before giving you a sticker and moving you on to the next queue to check in. Being as all the boys had already done this and were nearing the front of the second queue, I joined Priv, Steve R and Pete. Priv was somehow in possession of a spare security cleared sticker and discreetly stuck it on my suitcase. And so began a day of near catastrophes. 1. I was approached almost immediately by a security guard who asked me why I had applied the sticker without speaking to the security staff. He was very serious. I thought I was about to be detained. Fortunately, he only sent me back to the end of the queue. Phew. Two. When we arrived in New York, for reasons I can't understand, Priv picked up my suitcase and took it through customs, leaving me to carry his. I was some way behind him in the queue and he didn't wait around to check the band were okay. When I got to the customs point, I was pulled aside and asked to open the case. It had a combination lock on it and, of course, I didn't know the number. I can't, I said. It's not mine. Once again, the fates smiled upon me and somehow I wasn't arrested. 3. The connecting flight to Philadelphia was from a departure gate immediately next to an open bar. Pete T and I sat at a table right next to the gate and ordered a beer. There was only a screen between the table where we sat and the departure area which was full of people. At some point I craned my head around the screen for the umpteenth time to see the lounge completely empty. Everyone had gone. We rushed to the desk to be informed that the doors were closed and the flight had left. Once again our tour manager was proving himself to be an excellent sound man. Pete and I stared incredulously at each other. Our bags were on the flight which had just left. We wondered if anyone would bother to take them to the hotel in Philadelphia or just leave them on the carousel. I reckoned they'd just get left. Pete and I had to buy tickets for the next flight to Philly. When we eventually arrived there, we managed to get hold of one of the band at the hotel on the phone who told us our bags were in Priv's room. The relief was short-lived. 
When we called his room, he'd gone out on the town for the night with the crew. Anyone who knows or has worked with Pete and me can only imagine the serenity and calm with which we handled the situation. That's sarcasm. Monday, 16th of March, Philadelphia to Allentown. Up at seven and down to breakfast. By 8.30 I had the T3 set up in my room and by nine, Pete and Steve had arrived and we were rehearsing. Phoners started happening at 10-ish. At 12, we set off with Wally Verson, hit-and-run promo guy, and a minibus packed solid with luggage to drive to Allentown, Pennsylvania, for interviews and a show sponsored by Radio WZZO. Is that Wizzo? Wizzo? Maybe not. WZZO. We stayed at the Hamilton Plaza Hotel, notable for the papier-mâché sculptures of cartoon old people in the lobby. Yeah. The radio appearance was nothing special, but the show was to be a pleasant surprise. Soundcheck ceased to exist when it was revealed that we didn't have a 110 to 240 volt transformer for the backline. They had supplied a shaver adapter. <laughs> Priv improvised in the end, going across two of the three phases of the power supply, which fortunately was three phase proving once again that he was an excellent sound man. Unfortunately, the time it took to figure all this out wiped out our much-needed rehearsal time and we ended up sound-checking in front of half the audience. Back to the hotel and we just had enough time for a hurried dinner with Meredith before returning in style in the limo provided, feeling nervous and unsure of what lay ahead. When we arrived, the joint was jumping. About 700 people. We tiptoed nervously through the set to rapturous applause. Phew, we're so lucky. Afterwards, I must have met everyone in the place. They were all sweethearts and I thoroughly enjoyed meeting them. Club manager Barry was generous and helpful. Tuesday, 17th of March, Allentown, Scranton, Danbury. Up at 7 and out at 9.30 for the drive to Scranton. As I breakfasted with Wally and Steve, it started to snow. The journey to Scranton was uneventful. I remember Scranton from my young days as an electrical engineer in Doncaster. We exported quite a lot of machinery through Scranton Airport to Hanover, Pennsylvania. Pete was travelling with Meredith as our bus was full of luggage and flight cases. He's not experienced Meredith's driving before, so he didn't share the fear. When we arrived at the radio station, we learned that she'd crashed the car into the curb and blown two tyres. No one was hurt and they still arrived in time for the radio show which was a little theatre within the radio station which, in turn, was housed in a lovely old building above the newspaper offices. The show was sparsely attended and I felt like we were giving a lecture. Afterwards, 
We had lunch in the slowest restaurant on the planet before driving up to Danbury, Massachusetts. Arriving at the Holiday Inn at seven amid St. Patrick's Day celebrations. They seem to make more of a fuss about it here than in Ireland. The bar was full of middle-aged dears in their best dresses. Had a beer with Pete and went to bed. And we're back. Uh, that was a rather entertaining little section of diary there. Um, uh, as you seem to be whisking around the globe again, you, you can only have been home for about a week. Yeah, at the most. Yeah, it was it was relentless in those days. So it's it's a miracle the marriage lasted as long as it did. Looking back, you know, I, mean, yeah. I was I was just hardly ever there, um, and. Uh, I feel a constant need to apologise to Sophie and Niall, really, when I go back. I mean, when it was actually happening to me, I just sort of took it in my stride. I think we all just thought it was normal. Uh, You know, Dad's in a band and this is how it is. But um, Mm. it was was bloody tough back then, really. Um, Made made no easier by by our sound man tour managing us, as it turned (laughs) out. (laughs) Yeah, I... I had to mention that because the examples, the examples that you give. <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle I wasn't put behind bars twice on that one flight. Well, I mean, you know, all customs people don't have a sense of humour. We know that. No, they have that uh, trained out of them by wild dogs during the <laughs> induction process, I think. And, and, and American customs seem to be somehow even grumpier by the virtue of the fact they can shoot you as well if they decided they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, usually they've lost their sense of humour whilst working at McDonald's before they came became customs people. And, and, it's, and, and the one line you don't say is... <laughs> Looking forward to coming this, back now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's him. Bring him in. <laughs> Bring him in. <laughs> Assume the position, Mr. Hogarth. Um, the one line you don't give is, I can't open this suitcase, it's not mine. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. It's in, it, it's in the top three, it's in the list of top three things you don't say to a customs. Is this your case? No. <laughs> I've literally just been given it. <laughs> I'm carrying it through for someone else. Is that a problem? <laughs> uh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a rock and roll musician. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, so so Priv didn't didn't do that more than once then. No, no, we all. I think we all had a private meeting at one point and said this this perhaps should be a one off. Yes, this, this tour. Uh, I think he was just trying to prove a point to our management that he never wanted to be asked to do this again. I think he'd probably been press ganged into, you know, the money was tight and can you tour manage as well as do the sound? And he went, if I have to. And they said, well, you know, if you want the gig, then yeah. And he thought, right then, they won't ask me again. And and we didn't. (laughs) Well, a very beautifully played piece of militancy uh, there, there from 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 
Mr. Hedge. Um, yeah. we, we should have done the decent thing and got hepatitis on the plane, like the, like, like the one that did the Euros tour. But life would have been easier. It would have been so much easier if you'd got hepatitis. <laughs> That's not a line that you use very often. Um, <laughs> certainly not in jest. Tricky line um, to get into a song. <laughs> What rhymes with hepatitis? <laughs> um, it doesn't scan, does it? Um, <laughs> right, centre. Um, so the other thing, I well, I was. You were in Allentown. We were. We were in. What's Allentown, Allentown like? Well, just quite, quite small, really. I think it. I think it's quite industrial. Um, it's not not the prettiest town in America, and that's up against some pretty. Stiff, <laughs> ugly <laughs> opposition, but um, no, I knew I knew a DJ. There was a DJ in Allentown called Keith Moyer, um, who's got a sister called Jane Moyer, who still comes to the gigs sometimes. I think she was the Albert Hall. And, Hello, Jane. And Keith was a DJ in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I think that's why we'd gone to do a little spot at his radio station. And I'll never forget Keith because he had a pet skunk. And although I never met the skunk, um, we we did have a very interesting conversation about it. And, uh, you know, like as anyone would, I said, well, doesn't it smell a bit? And I went, oh, no, not if you have them as a pet because they remove the uh, the gland that, you know, that makes the nasty smell. Um, and I said, well, do you take it out with you when you go out? He said, yeah, I walk it on a lead like a dog. And I said, oh, what a cool pet. If I went down to a pub in Charlton with a skunk on a lead, that would be something. And I've been trying to get one ever since. Right. <laughs> They're not readily available in England, unfortunately. No, not, even, not even through the World Wide Web. <laughs> you could probably get them on the dark web. On <laughs> the dark web. <laughs> If any if if anyone has access to out there to the dark web, have a look, see if you can get me a pet skunk. But don't send it to the racket club, for God's sake, because it might it, it might languish there and starve to death before I open it. I've just got visions of you now, with with a parcel arriving at your door, and then YouTubing how to remove that gland from a skunk so it doesn't smell. <laughs> oh yeah, you need a gland-free one. <laughs> 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 Don't be sending sending me none of your glanded skunks. <laughs> Poor old posting. <laughs> I I uh, the whole idea. I mean, I kind of get it with a snake that you want to get rid of the venom, but getting rid of a gland from a skunk. Just... <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we're going to be getting hate mail from all the animal rights mob now with all this talk of. Removing well, no, no, because we don't want to do any harm to a skunk. We don't actually well, talk apart from opening its body with a knife and removing part of it. No, no harm whatsoever. Well, no, but I mean, I, you That's know, just a bit it's, of fun. It's it's isn't it? It'd be similar to uh, having a what's the what's the thing you have removed that you don't need appendix. appendix. Yeah, yeah, a bit about like having the appendix removed. Yeah. Well, that, that's never heard. No, no. And you're giving, you would be giving that skunk a good home. I would. I would. It wouldn't know. It would be, it's a great home, great place to live this for a skunk. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it'd be an interesting lifestyle. Less, less boots, ate it. Or... 
Yeah. Well, skunks are quite big, though, aren't they? It might boots be. Boots. Going... Yeah, I don't think boots would be going after the skunk. Mm. 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 Okay. How have we found ourselves here? Allentown. Allentown. Your friend, your friend in Allentown with it, with, with his skunk. And the other thing that, that struck me was just a, a throwaway line right at the beginning where you appeared to have brought most of the arts and crafts in Mexico back in your suitcase <laughs> when you came back. I felt like I had because back in those days I used to wear a lot of jewellery. There used to be these little guys um, uh, at the pyramids at Teotihuacan who sold these silver bangles that had a little interesting sort of Mexican hieroglyphics stamped into them. And I had loads of them. And whenever I went to Teotihuacan, because I ended up going there two or three times over over the space of a few years, I would buy more and more of these. And I, I had about 30 of them. And they used to jingle away on my wrist. Um, so I'd got a load of silver bangles jingling in the bottom of my suitcase. They also used to sell obsidian, um, like little totems of, okay. of of Mexican, you know, uh, what would they be? Would they be Mayan? God, I'm going to get letters now. Yes, yeah, I think, I think it would Mayan. be Mayan for me. Mayan, yeah. um, Mayan sort of totems made out of shiny black obsidian that I've got just in the other room there on the windowsill. You bought quite a few of those. And they were all quite heavy, like as heavy as bricks, really. And I'd got all those in the suitcase. I can't remember if that was the time I'd got the the um, <laughs> the stained glass lampshade. Because on one, on one particular trip back from Mexico, I bought a stained glass lampshade that's still hanging in the kitchen here. You've, you've seen it. I don't know if you're aware of it. It was a great big stained glass lampshade in the kitchen. And I had to get that back. And they put that in a, in a box the size of a bloody dog kennel. And I turned up at, <laughs> turned up at check-in in Mexico City Airport. <laughs> Any chance? <laughs> and they managed, they managed to check it in. And uh, I don't think I was even asked to open it at the other end. Uh, and I got, I got home, you know, honey, I'm home. She opened the front door and I'm there with all of this stuff. <laughs> um. <laughs> Must have been tinged with fear every time you were due to be back. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Just tinged with fear, fear when I was away as well, for fear of what I'm, I might have done, you know. <laughs> I know there was a knock on the door one day, and somebody was standing there with a with uh, with a, another box the size of a dog, dog kennel, all full of all full of lamps and vases, and God knows what that that, that, that wizard in uh, in San Francisco had sold me, along with the rug, along with um, the rug, because I I took the rug with me on the on the um, tour bus, but all the other stuff that he threw in, which was like a Tiffany lamps and lampshades and Christ knows what, half of what looked like a junk shop, uh, went in a big box and was posted. And I think that arrived one that arrived on the doorstep one day while I was still on tour, along with a man with his hand held out saying he wanted 450 quid in customs duty to give it to her. Um, that didn't go down too well. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> Oh, well, we're, we're, we're heading towards the end of 21. Um, um, and, and I think there's no better way to leave it than a customs demand. Um, really? 
So thanks everybody. Thanks everybody for for listening um, and and being involved as you have been. And thanks again for those people who tuned in over the weekend um, for the for the for the live one. And um, I, I suppose we, we'll regroup next week. And, and yes. Stay tuned for some merch news because we'll yes. get onto that now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The merch news will be coming your way very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and we're we're just gonna we're gonna take a, a little pause, aren't we? And then we're gonna record the Q and A for September. Yes, that be I nice? don't believe you just did that with your hands. Were they supposed to be a little pause? Absolutely, they were. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a knee jerk reaction. Well, elbow jerk reaction, actually. <laughs> like little pause from a, a dog that had been it was being held up. <laughs> In a post office. A dog that works in a post office. What do you call, do you call a dog that works in a post office? Uh, Pat. Pat. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. I will apologise to anybody called Pat or Patrick or Patricia before we go, because it'll be easier. Right, we'll see, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Simon Forrest And Cameron Packer too Thanks Jasper Hart Stephen Griffin And Anna Carboni too And at a battle and Paul Hosson and Alistair Bowen and Serena Ugandan. Thank you to Claire Marchant and Isadora in Santiago, Chile. Christian Allison and Richard Sheltinger, John Mullen and Chris. Dash and Denise Romano and Osadal and Christopher Paul
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>